Father, when I am weak, you are strong. God, I just release that as a declaration over this room, as a theme for tonight. God, as I feel physically very weak, Father, I know that your Holy Spirit is going to show up and let us know how strong you truly are. And Father, I speak the same thing for the students. Whether they are feeling tired, or whether they are feeling lonely, whether they are struggling or doing great in you, Lord. Father, I just pray that tonight that you will show up in your power. And Father, you will touch every single heart in this room, God. Father, I just speak forth, God, that your blessing will flow tonight and your presence will be real in this room. I bind up all distress. I bind up all drowsiness right now in Jesus' name. And God, I just release your uh, powerful encounters in this room in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read Romans 12, uh, verses 1 to 2. I'll read it for you. This is from ESV. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, uh, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So my name is Myung Choi. Um, I'm one of the pastors from New Philly. Uh, I've seen some of you at church. Uh, I was born and raised in Korea. I'm from a city called Busan, and I went to Iwa Women's University, and I graduated, went to seminary. I've been pastoring for about past seven years. Uh, it's been a joy, and I love preaching to college students because you guys are so moldable, and God also did so much when I was in college that I just know how powerful those four years, for some of you, six or seven years or could be uh, so I really hope that God's going to release a word that's going to really set you on a path that's going to be uh, make difference I want to just say Christianity guys is not an episode it's not it's not like a one-time thing like Tina was talking about the, about the retreat Christianity and walk with Jesus is a lifelong journey everyone say journey it's not about attending one retreat expecting this is going to fix me in every area and then come back and be disappointed that it didn't happen. It's not about, you know, you betting everything and, you know, oh, this retreat is going to fix me all or this church will do it all. But no, that's not it. It's a lifelong journey. Wherever you go, Holy Spirit follows you and Holy Spirit is inside of you to do different works in different seasons. And he does have a particular and very special curriculum that is cut out for you. He knows you. He knows exactly what he's doing in your life. And if you ever feel worried that God has forgotten about you, you are wrong. God is moving in your life whether you see it or not. It's a journey, and it's going to be a good journey if you trust in the Lord. And for me also, it was a journey. It wasn't like a Holy Spirit showed up, he fixed everything in my life, and I'm perfect. No, I am not. I am still working on my weaknesses. I'm still working on my sin patterns, and I am not ashamed of them. I'm not going to tell you about them all, but I do tell other people who are keeping me accountable about my weaknesses, and I am walking in that journey. What I want to emphasize today is, you know, this is Tuesday right after the retreat. You know, everyone, I don't know what your experience was like at the retreat. For some of you, I heard that you couldn't make it. That's all right, because we are all on this journey, and I just want to emphasize that this is not like an episodical thing, but you got to really have a broader view than that. And I just really hope that this message will give you the perspective that this is not just a one-time thing that I get or miss, but this is something that you got to continue to walk with Christ on. So, <laughs> this verse that I read today 
It's a good reminder. This talks about how we need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord, right? And putting yourself as a living sacrifice, if you know anything about the Bible, it's talking about like the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. It's talking about, you know how in Old Testament they killed an animal, drained the blood, and then they put the dead body of an animal on the altar so that they will burn burn it and then bring it to God as sacrifice, right? But this verse is not talking about killing ourselves and then putting our dead bodies on the altar. This is talking about putting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Everyone say living sacrifice. So we're not dead animals that's going to just be consumed once and be gone forever. We are living sacrifices who's going to be presented to the Lord, but we are not dead. We are not animals. We are precious. We are alive. And one thing bad about living sacrifice opposed to dead sacrifices is that you have the free will to choose to walk away from it. Because you're living and you're alive, you have will, you have emotions. When you don't feel like lying down on the cold altar, you just might you know, might as well just roll over and then, you know, go clubbing one night and then come back on, you know, and lie there again. And then, I don't know, you have, you can make the choice to come off that altar and then put yourself back on that altar. So that's like a good thing and bad thing at the same time. But God has given us that mind. He doesn't say be a dead sacrifice. So you just lie there and as the lifeless object, but no, you are a living sacrifice. You could put yourself on the altar, but also you could choose to walk away from it. You know, an altar, the whole point of it is not to lie there. Altar is made so that the fire of God will come down from heaven. It will consume you. It is not to just lie there and be comfortable. Then they probably provided some mattresses or something. But it's not a bed for you to live, you know, lie upon. It's altar and it's meant to be a place of fire. Fire comes and it consumes you, but then you are not consumed away into ashes, but you are burning alive. For who? For Christ Jesus. That's the picture of a Christian life. So many of us, we feel like when we drag ourselves onto that altar, God's going to kill us. We'll be lifeless. It will be boring. We're going to live a good Christian life. And then we'll go to heaven. No, that's not the picture. We'll be, cons- we'll be consumed by the Holy Spirit's fire. We'll be living for God's glory. It's going to be the most dynamic life you will ever find. So don't think that being on that altar is a negative thing or thing to avoid. When he puts you up there, he's setting you, setting you up for a fire-filled life that is dynamic, that's going to change eternity. So put yourself, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. And I want you guys to remember this first. I'm going to talk, focus a lot on what follows this verse. Verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of the mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. I want to focus on transformation in our mind. Everyone say transformation. transformation. This is probably the favorite word of every Christian in the whole wide world. But change in behavior is not transformation. Let me say that. Change in your behavior is not transformation. You can do that without Jesus Christ. Let me just say flat out. All right? Oh, this ritual was so good, so I'm going to be different. I'm going to be good. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit clubbing. What? That's, that's what I call behavior modification, right? Oh, you got motive and you, you're on the retreat high. You know, you got some Christian friends and you decide to fast clubbing for a semester. That's great. But 
after you go back to your home country, you know, after six months of being at Emmaus, you know, it's been a wonderful journey. But then when you go back, you're, you're going to collapse. Let me just say that, okay? Doing great in college fellowship, you know, for a semester, for a year, or even at your home college for four years, that's great. But when you don't um, pursue transformation in your mindset, you're going to go straight into a totally different lifestyle after leaving whatever was keeping you in that place. This is real, and we've known so many students that experience this kind of, um, what do you call it? Uh, High and then, I guess, low. Okay. I was looking for something fancier than that. Um, I could have done that myself, Tina. Come on. (laughs) She was like, low. (laughs) So willpower and discipline is great. However, willpower and discipline will not transform you. It will only take you so far. And sin, I want to say, is always conceived in one's mind, okay? It's always mind first, and then your body follows, your flesh follows. Mind, um, the thoughts that you conceive in your mind, it will lead you to sin, and it's always, the thought is always infected by lies. If you are familiar with um, the, the, what is it? Oh, I'm kind of Genesis chapter three. There's a story of Eve, uh, Adam and Eve, and then it talks about their first sin. Um, and uh, if you read the account, Eve was deceived by a serpent. Right, the serpent came and then told Eve, you know, pretty much telling her that, hey, God is holding back on you. So you, you know, you gotta you gotta eat the fruit. And then Eve Eve actually uh, eats it and then gives it to Adam and then Adam ends up eating it as well. That's called their, their, this is the first sin in the Bible, right? Uh, So if you think about it, the lie came and she yielded to that lie. So she agreed in her mind and that's what led her to actually sin, which is eating of the fruit, you know? So change in mindset is true transformation, not in your behavior, not your willpower, not your discipline, but change in mindset is the true transformation. And that will lead your behavior to change. And that's simply the fruit of your mindset change. So it will change always internally first. Your mind will change. And then it will be shown externally. And when your mind is not transformed, changing your behavior or trying to change it will not last long. Your mind needs to be transformed by the truth. So many people think that they're, you know, we all know that our mindsets are uh, formed by different things that we go through in life or things that we had, things that we didn't have, our family culture, Asian culture, white culture, black culture, whatever culture that you grew up in. Also, like the dramas that you watched. But the majority, I would say, <laughs> majority of the cultural beliefs and your like values, I Notice that it's all cultural discipleship that you guys received. It's the dramas that you watch. It's the Hollywood movies that you watch. It's the songs that you listen to. And those things accumulate, and that ends up becoming your mindset altogether. And so many of us are so naive to this fact, but college students especially, I think the younger you get, you guys are like the byproduct of the Hollywood, the, the, the media, uh, Instagram, you know, what defines glamour? You know, what defines a cool hipster life? What defines like cool Christian? Now, you guys all have definitions. What's happiness? What's failure? All of that is really uh, shaped by the, the, the media, 
Really, it's the social media now, but also it was TV, it was movies. It's the culture that really tries to indoctrinate, indoctrinate you guys into believing what the society tells you is the truth. However, what the society tells you is completely not the truth. What truth comes from the written word of God, which is the Bible, it also comes from the values of God. And so many of us are so naive and think that, oh, we are cool. My mindset is pretty, you know, it's okay. You know, I'm not like Satan worshiper or anything. But don't be so naive because I would say a lot of your habitual sins, a lot of your sin patterns are coming out of what you believe because of the social and cultural beliefs that you've received growing up. I'm just going to walk through this step by step with you guys. What I believe, or also what I experienced to be a good step to follow, to be transformed by the truth in our mindset. So first one I want to say is this. um, Expose and confront your mindset is my first point. Always, it's really hot in here. Am I the only one? Yeah, it's really hot. Do you not have AC? Oh, wow, great. Open some windows or something. <laughs> All right, that's good. All right, just pinch your neighbor if they start to fall asleep, okay? Oh, great. Expose and confront your mindsets. It starts with this, sharing openly with someone. How do you know that you have certain mindsets that are distorted or that are not according to the Bible? How do you know it? How do I know that I have like weird thinking patterns? How do you know it? Because they cause you to sin or at least to sinful thoughts. And if that's the pattern, then you got to know that oh, what's driving me is definitely the distorted thoughts. Sharing, therefore, means not just sharing your thoughts, but how that thought that the mindset is leading you to sin. So it's pretty much confessing your sins. So when I say share openly, I'm talking about, yeah, you're talking about your own sin to other people. And some people get really shocked when I say this because, oh, I thought I only confess my sin to God and no one else. First John 1 John 1.9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This Bible verse, people always say, confess my sin to God, and God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. That is true. However, you cannot ignore Bible verses like this, James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Listening to sermons is great. Attending church is also awesome. However, it requires you opening up about your your struggles and your sins, your weaknesses, your ugliness. And there is nothing new under the sun, students. Let me just say that. Because everybody believes that I'm the only one that's struggling this way. Everyone, especially regarding sexual sins, thinks that I'm the only one that's like as twisted as this. Let me tell you, everybody has similar struggles. Not everyone has the same set of struggles. However, everyone, the Bible says so clearly, there's nothing new under the sun. God knows it all, and we all know it all. Why don't we just open up and talk about it so we can help one another and heal one another, according to the Bible. If you grew up in the church and you never opened up about your weaknesses or your ugliness, your sin, then I'll say, man, you wasted a lot of time. 
And I would like to say as adults now, as college students, it's time to really own up and talk about what is hindering you from really walking rightly with the Lord. If you're taking this seriously, you can't just say, I, I am so loved by God. You know, I love Jesus. However, on daily basis, there are things that are bothering you. There are things that you know that God is not pleased with. Why don't you tackle those things? Why are you leaving that all alone? You know, just bury it under a carpet. But it's eventually going to suckle. It's eventually going to rot under the rug. And it's going to come out and you will notice. So before you get there, please take my word. Open, share, op- open, share, lead. No, share, <laughs> openly, share, openly. I'm not saying grab a mic and tell everybody about your sins, okay? I'm talking about in a trusted community, in your familia, with the trusted leader, open up about your struggles so that they can help you, so that they can guide you. And that's what I'm talking about. And, you know, I don't have time to share an entire testimony of mine, but I struggled with uh, self-image. I hated myself. I had bulimia for six years, and it was a secret sin of mine that I never talked about, okay? I thought that was the... A very shameful thing to talk about, like how I truly think about myself and things like that. However, when I opened up, that's when I had my first breakthrough. When I opened up to my roommates, when I opened up to my pastor, when I, who, who, who wasn't a pastor back then, okay, a sister, when I humbly requested a prayer, you know, humbly asked for accountability, that's when things started to really change and move, okay? So don't think that, oh, awesome retreat, we'll fix it all, guys. You gotta talk about things that you know you gotta talk about, you know? And I know y'all are thinking about something, and it takes faith for you to open up. And I know the fear. Oh, what if this person judges me? What if this relationship goes wrong? What if this person leaks the info? What if others find out? Hey, we all have our baggage, right? And that's really, let's, let me just say, Emmaus is a safe ministry. So many students that went before, came before you have received their breakthroughs and their transformations. And they are living for the Lord, okay? Unhindered. And we want to make sure your testimony is like that, okay? So if you belong to familiar, our leaders are trained. Our leaders are loving. Our leaders are kept accountable, okay? Their sins are kept in check. And so they can understand, they could empathize, and they could also speak truth over you. So trust your leader. And I really highly encourage you guys to open up about something that you never told anyone, okay? Really, that's really what I really wanted to speak. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, if you read it, this chapter talks about bringing things that were in darkness to the light, okay? This verse, verse 8, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Ephesians chapter 5, 11 to 13 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to talk about, speak of the things that they do in secret. Verse 13, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. When the light is shown on darkness, it becomes light, guys. So don't keep it in the darkness. If you keep it to yourself, that's keeping it in the dark place. You got to expose it to the light so that it will also become part of the light. And when you confess, uh, these are things that are going to happen. It will help you when you confess your sins, but also like your, your thinking pattern. You know, what makes you do things like that? It will help you figure out why you sin that way. 
All right. Uh, what is the root? You know, for me, uh, my eating disorder. It was because I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that I was thinking this way. But as I was processing with others, I realized I believed truly because of the freaking Korean culture here. Only skinny girls were popular, and only skinny girls are pretty. Only they are desirable. That was my belief to the core. So because I'm chubby, no guy likes me was my belief. Because I'm fat, nobody's gonna like me was my like the truth in my heart. And when I confronted those lies, and when I received the the, the truth from the mouth of my leaders, and also from the mouth of the mouth of the Lord, I realized that is a lie of the devil. And I believed it for so many years, growing up, entire lifetime. Okay, and it's not just the mouth of the devil that spoke those lies. It's the culture. It's the music videos that you watch. It's the friends that you grow up with. Okay, it's it's the people who try to like sell you jeans, and you know everybody around you tells you that oh you need to lose a little bit of weight for you to be desirable, for you to be beautiful, for you to be pretty. You keep hearing those things, or you end up believing those lies, and you don't even know that those are lies. You just think that oh they are truth in this world, not at all. Guys, there's better truth. God speaks better words over you, and you have to know that. So when you confess, you will realize, oh, this is the root. Oh, why do I hold on to such thinking? Okay, and these shrewd uh, ways and subtle ways of cultural indoctrination that comes to you, it starts to shatter. It starts to vanish away, and your mind now you're finally able to think clearly. Your views are changing, your mindsets changing, your value sets are changing, and that's truly a transformation in your mind. If you grew up admiring. Oprah Winfrey, all your life, okay, and you believe, you know, what she says is the truth, okay. Let me tell you, she's she's not, okay. <laughs> she's not all that you believe her to be, okay. But if you really like her, I can't stop you. But you gotta unlearn a lot of things from what you believed. If you are really like into what are those movies? Sparks. What what Sparks is the guy? Nicholas Spark, Tina really likes those movies. <laughs> the Notebook. Oh, what, what else is there? Dear John. Uh, Walk to Remember. Um, oh, all right. Okay, right here. And all those movies, okay? Those are like beautiful. Every girl admires those stories. Oh my gosh, I gotta find the man like Noah who's gonna love me. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Okay, let me tell you this. Nicholas Sparks got divorced recently. Okay, the creator of all those beautiful love stories that you all love, okay, that you watch over and over again, he got divorced. Why? Because he doesn't know what love is. Yeah, he could create all these ideal-looking, beautiful-sounding love stories, but he doesn't know what true love is. True love is sticking to your wife after having five children and seeing her in her good days and bad days. Okay. After seeing her like without washing her hair for like seven days, or you know, <laughs> and smelling the scalp and still loving her is true love. Okay. Anyways, true love is not what he paints in his beautiful novels and uh, not and movies. Okay. So, anyways, if you are really into some cultural stuff, and you gotta examine, okay, how did that affect my mindset? Okay, if you are looking for a love like Noah, let me tell you this right now, you will be disillusioned. Okay, <laughs> your marriage will suffer, and your poor man, man, your poor husband will have to, oh man, really suffer. Okay, 
or Koreans who your parents immigrated to uh, America, American dream. Or let me just say Asian dreams in America, you know. Why do every Asian kid want to go to law school and medical school? I think part of it is cultural. It's not because they all want to be awesome doctors and awesome lawyers. But, I mean, let me just, let's just, let's just be real. Not every kid wants to be a doctor or lawyer. It's the pressure. It's the pressure of the social success. What they believe to be the success, what they believe to be the happiness, what they believe to be the whatever the ideal life, that's what's affecting their choices. And let's say in 20 years, they find out that I really don't like blood. I really don't like touching open, you know, organs and, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Okay. You need to process and figure out how you think and what your mindsets and how your mindsets are affected by the culture. You really need to listen to and pay attention to how your mind rolls, okay? And you got to figure out how am I affected by these things? How do I unlearn those things? How am I going to affect my mind with the truth, okay? And then, so I just talked about, that was a long point, but expose and confront your mindset. Confessing your sins and processing why your mindset is the way it is. Um, And number two, this is a step that a lot of young people tend to forget and skip. But it's more than necessary. This is essential. Step two is this, repent. This is what Jesus came to preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, okay? It's at hand. People who tend to skip this part, the common pattern is this. You see this in Genesis chapter 3 as well. Adam and Eve, they do the same thing. They put the blame on someone. Okay, The woman you gave me gave me the fruit. The woman you created gave me this fruit, so I ate. Putting the blame on Eve, right? And Eve goes, the serpent gave me the fruit and lied to me, okay? And these are legit excuses, okay? These are actually what happened. However, people forget to own up to their own sins, that the decisions that they have made, because you are able to make your own decision. Yes, you are affected by many things. However, the decision-making is done by you, okay? So you need to own up to your own sin, and you need to take the step to repent, we all want to explain ourselves, don't we? When we are in trouble, we all want to explain ourselves, you know, to our parents or, you know, like whatever. We want to feel validated about why we did the certain things or how we feel about what happened. We all want to shift the blame on someone else. It's because so-and-so did this. Or it's because my brother abused me growing up and that's why I'm so messed up. So in some way or not, you want to put the blame on something someone or some circumstances some trauma that happened and that that's okay that's part of figuring out why you think the way you do however that is not a true heart of repentance when something else happens what you're going to do is you're going to find another reason to blame you're going to find another person to blame and at the end of the day you will be dodging the whole repentance and the true heart of repentance and you will not have it at the end figuring out why you did it is great explaining why why explaining why to the person that yeah that's okay however there's got to be the true heart of repentance in your heart just you before the lord saying god i have sinned against you please forgive me god i have sinned against you and i turn away from these patterns and lord help me 
I call that humility. I call that true heart of repentance. So if you are busy figuring out why, if you are busy putting the blame on other things and our circumstances, I want to encourage you today. Maybe the lack of repentance is holding you back. Maybe the lack of repentance is blocking your breakthrough. Come before the Lord and admit, God, I am sinful. I need your help. I can't do this alone. Yeah, these things happen, but God, you know it all. And I don't have to explain anything to you because you know it all, God. And Lord, just between me and you, God, let me just say, Lord, I've sinned against you. I've hurt your feelings. Lord, I am so sorry. And I turn away from these things. So help me, Lord. Humble repentance is a must. When gospel is preached these days, they skip repentance. And this really makes me angry because without repentance, you do not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You got to repent. Repentance isn't saying, sorry, God, that's, that's not repentance, okay? That's just called sorry, okay? <laughs> or apology or whatever. True repentance, according to the Bible, is this, turning away from the sin. It's a directional term, okay? It's like, I don't drive or anything, but I, I walk, right? So I walk to this direction. <laughs> okay? I'm walking to this direction, and this is direction of sin. This is direction of uh, destruction. And when I say, Lord, I repent, that means I turn away to you and away from my sin, away from my habits, away from the destruction. I turn away to you, to life, to holiness, to righteousness. That's what repentance means. Okay, when you turn, guys, and you, you just, okay, and that's next point, so I can't ruin it. But <laughs> you got to turn away. It's a direction that you are making. So when you say, sorry, God, it's not like, sorry, but I'll do the same thing tomorrow. No, you say, sorry, and God, help me turn away from this pattern. And Lord, I am making a directional turn, okay? And third point is this, okay, we just turned, right? Third point, you just you confess, you figure out your mindset, and you repent, and you land on truth. If you're writing that down, write that down. It's good. Land on truth, okay? You turn, and then if you keep walking, okay, to that degree of turn, you end up going to the same spot. You're getting my point? You're going to make circles is what I'm trying to say. You're going to make circles. You got to turn and you got to land, okay? You can't be making circles forever in the air. You got to turn and then you got to land on truth. Truth is what's going to help you be grounded in the place of victory, okay? Landing on truth um, is not that easy. This is reason why. Because people are proud, People don't want to listen to teaching or correction. That's the main reason why people don't land on truth, okay? They try to deal with it on their own. They know that what they did was wrong, but that they don't want to be corrected. So say, I'm sorry, God, I repent, and then they straight up go back to the same thing, okay? Why? Because they don't let their mindset to be corrected by anyone else. Let down your defense, okay? Admit that there are people who may know better than you. Admit that there are might be some people that God has sent to you to speak into your life. I'm a pastor, and I'm the head of my campus, my community, Hongdae Omega community, but I still have my covering. I'm not mature enough 
or even when I'm like 40, 50, I'm still going to have an accountability and I'm still going to have a spiritual authority that's going to speak into my life. I'm never going to reach a point where I'm good enough and holy enough and perfect enough that I'm not going to need any voice into my life. No, I will make sure that someone is speaking into my life even when I'm 50 and 60 before I, until I die. That's the life that I'm going to pursue. Why? Because there's always something on my back that I cannot see, okay? I'm thinking certain that I'm acting a fool, but if nobody tells me, I'm just going to live like that. There's got to be someone who's able to see what's happening, who's able to correct you, who's able to give you advice on things. Not just as a friend, not just as a suggestion, not as an advice, but as authority. And what I, I think this generation is missing out so much is authority, People at your age, guys, hate authorities. You can all hate authorities, right? Authority is a wonderful thing. The hierarchy, everyone hates it. Guess who created it? God created authority. God created, he's the source of all authorities. The Bible makes it very clear. Even the government authority, the Bible in Romans talks about how it's God-given authority. I know authority has its own faults, okay? It's because, it's not because authority is sinful, authority is bad, it, or it's evil. It's because people are evil, okay? It's because people who receive authority could fall into things and they could, they are evil themselves. So they poorly handled or stewarded the authority. However, authority itself is not to be avoided. Authority itself is not evil. Good authority, healthy authority is so necessary in your life. In your 20s, guys, you need voices to speak into your life. So guys, humble yourself. Receive teaching, receive correction, soften your heart, let down your defense, receive correction so you will land on truth. It doesn't matter no matter how many times you read your Bible. If you don't read it with a humble heart, it's going to do nothing good to you. Why could you think that your mind is better than the Bible? And you think that this is some ancient word that doesn't affect you anymore. And you say, oh, I did my quiet time, 30 minutes of reading, perfect. No, if it didn't change you, you didn't do it right. The word of God needs to change you. It it needs to change how you think. If it's not doing it, you're not giving the word of God enough authority. You got to give the word of God your authority. And sometimes reading doesn't do it. Then you got to listen to somebody who will speak from this authority. Highly encourage you guys, sign up for Familia if you haven't. Okay, open up, process together, land on truth, receive prayer. And that's the true way of mind transformation. When I landed on truth that I was beautiful inside and out, and that's how God created me, my life has changed forever, okay? And I, yeah, you guys see me, right? I am very confident in who I am. I'm very comfortable with who I am, but not in like a snobbish way. I'm better than everybody, but I know how beautifully I am made. And I, I know how each person is so beautifully made. And I know how each person is such masterpiece. Okay. My twisted thinking, I used to judge girls. Okay. Hardcore. Because I judged myself based on my looks. I judged others on their looks. Okay. Oh, she's cool. She's cute. She's ugly. Uh, <laughs> I used to be like really judgmental on the looks, how they dressed. Oh, she shouldn't be wearing things like that. Like I used to do that. Maybe I didn't talk about it, but I thought that inside. Okay. That twisted thinking, there was a poisonous 
it's all gone. When I look at you guys, I just think you guys are beautiful. And I just love you guys, you know? <laughs> so things like that could change, okay? What's eating you up inside, it could definitely be changed by how you, how Holy Spirit can transform your mindset. You, you guys thought I was done, right? No, land on truth and there's more. Okay? After landing, there's some more thing to do, Okay? Oh, this is a good analogy. You know when you like land even like an airplane? You land, right? And then you get off the airplane and then what do you guys do? You go to immigration and then baggage. Like like what do you call it? Luggage check? Baggage check. There you go. Baggage baggage claim. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Ba- baggage claim. Okay. <laughs> you guys go to baggage claim, right? And then the conveyor belt, that thing just goes around and around, right? Right? And then you gotta you got to, like, find your bag, and then you got to, and what are you going to do? Are you going to just be watching your bag, making circles? No? What do you, what do you need to do? You got to go. You got to claim it. You got to take it. And are you going to leave it at the airport, or are you going to take it home? You got to take it home, right? So you got to claim it. This is my bag. And then you got to take it home. You got to unpack, and then you got to use it. Okay? You got to wear your clothes, and, you know, you got to do that. Or if you just, oh, that's my bag. And, oh, that's my bag. Yeah, that's my bag, you know? Instruct me, that's my bag, hashtag. That's not going to do any good to you, okay? That's the truth that I believe, yeah. That's the truth that I believe, yeah. That's the truth. No, it's gonna. It's not going to do any good to you. You got to claim it. You got to take it home. You got to unpack it. You got to use it, okay? And this is that part. Stay in accountability. <laughs> Stay in accountability, Okay, let me tell you this. Okay, I um, uh, this was when I was in third year in college. Me and my girlfriends gathered together, and then we started talking about some like real stuff. Okay, so we started talking about like porn. Oh, I said it, and masturbation. Okay, <laughs> so we started talking about those two things. These two things that like, you never hear women talk about it. But uh, let me talk about this. Okay, I had issues with this. Okay, so I think. Yeah, I'm not going to get into too much details, but I definitely had issue with both areas. And I, my, me and my girlfriends, we, for the first time, we started talking about it at our sleepover, okay? And they were like, oh, you, you do too? Me too. And then one by one, it's like everybody was doing it, right? But they were all like going to church together or whatever. So we decided, you know what? But we just confessed our sins together. So let's pray together. So we all prayed for one another. Okay, we're like 20, 21, really young. We all prayed together. And then we had like, you know, powerful, powerful girls night out, whatever. And then we all cried and stuff. Let me tell you this, okay? Confession is not a way to like automatic freedom, okay? I went back to it, okay? Not just once, multiple times. I cannot count how many times I went back to it. Okay, I fell and fell and fell and fell. But this is the point. When you fall, you got to get back up and talk about it again. And then you fall again, get back up, talk about it again. Okay, one thing, one bad thing about the whole confession thing, when, once you confess, you expect to be like totally set free, whatever. And then... After confession, you fall, there's more shame that you're going to feel because people know about this and people prayed for me and you just feel this social pressure that you should be free, but that you are not. Get over it. Okay, everyone falls again. That's fine. That's called a mistake. What's important is the direction, 
like I talked about, it's a direction. Are you going to turn again? Or are you just going to keep going because of the shame, you know, because of the embarrassment, because of feeling of I disappointed so-and-so? No, just confess again. And then fall again, confess again. The reason why I am not ashamed of my sin patterns of masturbation and porn, it's because I didn't give up. I kept confessing and I kept dealing with it. Okay, it took years, but I am closer. I'm not, I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say like I'm a hundred percent free because I could fall again. I'm saying I'm a human being. Okay, but am I gonna give up on confessing? No, I'm gonna keep confessing, and that's the direction that I have chosen to be upon. That's what is important. Even crew members here, listen, you guys could fall. You guys are human. The fact that you disciple college students doesn't mean that you're immune to sin. If you sin, stay in accountability. Confess it again, okay? Even if you feel like, oh, man, I'm a leader. I'm supposed to be a discipler. Doesn't matter. Confess again and get back on the track again. Stay in accountability, okay? So all those girls that we, like, confess to each other, but it continued, okay? So, I mean, I don't confess with the same girls anymore. I have a higher structure of accountability because I'm a pastor and the rest of them are not. However, I stay in my accountability where I can be free and I confess and I talk about this and I deal with it, okay? There will be uh, this verse that we read at the beginning. It says, let me read it for you again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of the mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Okay. I think this, these two words are so awesome by testing. When you, when car companies build a new car and then they say they made it really strong, right? How do they, what do they do after they make it? They build a car and then they send it to test. That's the only way to check how strong the car is. You know, you just got to like crash into the wall and that's the only way to see if this car is truly strong or not, right? So you confess and you, you know, land the truth and do all that. Uh, and then only way to test whether you're truly free from or not, whether you truly have change in your mindset or not, is to really go through testing. And let me tell you this, God's going to send you testing. When you don't expect it, he may send you a test. And when you pass it, rejoice. Man, like three months ago, I would have totally fall, fallen into this, but I didn't. Rejoice. If you fell again, then get back up. Okay, confess again and go through the whole process again. It's as simple as that. Okay, it's as simple as that. Stay in accountability and throughout the testing, stay in it. Testing will keep coming and as it comes, it will make you realize, wow, I'm so much stronger than before. So much stronger than before. I'm withstanding more trial. I'm, I am going through more testing. I am, I am victorious. And it will lead you to a day where all these temptations won't even like move you an inch. Really. Like right after I was delivered from like bulimia, there were like a period of time that I had to be really intentional because like, especially like, uh, like going to buffet. Oh, that was the biggest temptation ever because buffet is unlimited food. You just want to eat and eat and eat and make your money worth. And temptation is always, I just want to throw up. 
And I ate so much, I feel disgusting. I just want to let it out. That's the biggest temptation. Now, you take me to buffet. Thank you very much. Take me, okay? <laughs> Whatever I eat, it stays with me, all right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to feed the dirty toilet. Okay, it's all mine, okay? So the temptation is, you know, I chose to eat it and it's nutrition. So, I'll, you know, I'll work out or something, you know. I actually don't, but... <laughs> So the, the idea of throwing up is not even a uh, second thought anymore, okay? But it took years for me to get here, okay? So it's a, sort of like a mind training. It's like your brain training. And some people call it this is neural pathway, neural pathway that you are building. And I think um, it's scientifically proven. So after, you got to go through testing after testing after testing, though. So you choose A over B, right? And it's kind of become, it creates like a very vague neural pathway. And then you choose A again, or that becomes strengthened. You choose A again over B, or it becomes strengthened, strengthened to a point where it becomes your default choice. Without even a second thought, you choose A over B, you know? Temptations, you know, oh, girls, or like, I don't know, girls with short skirts, ah, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how brothers are, but you know, that at the beginning was a great temptation, but now like, you could just you look away and not, not even, you know, bother by it. You know what I'm saying? So the, when you go through testing and you build your history of victory, that becomes your neural pathway. That becomes your God honoring choice without even medit, like, without even like, Oh, what is it? Meditate? No, not meditating. Contemplating? Whatever. Without even like thinking twice, right? You just choose A over B, you know? And that becomes your habit pretty much in your brain. How awesome is that, you know? So that's the track that you want to set you up, set yourself up for. Okay, I'm not saying you will get there overnight. It will take a lot of training, your mind training, a lot of testing, a lot of confessing, a lot of reading the scripture, memorizing the scripture, getting yelled at by your familiar leader. It will take a lot of that. However, at the end, you will find yourself in a place where you look back and like, was that me? Did I did, really did it how I used to think? How did I, how did I live like that? Is how, what you will end up thinking. And that's how really... How I really think. Wow, did I really live like that with that kind of mindset? Man, God truly transforms. You know, when your mindset is transformed, your behavior, it just follows. Okay? You don't think that as a pleasure anymore. You don't do it. You know, you don't think that's cool anymore. You don't do it. You know, you just change as God transforms your mindset. I don't know what God has spoken to you uh, for the past month or even at the retreat. But guys, use that as a, like a springboard to really launch upon this journey. This journey is the most worthy journey ever. You will feel like failure sometimes. But you will know that you are a victor through the power of the Holy Spirit on this journey. And you will never be disappointed because as long as you're committed to this, God's going to be fully committed to you. And it will lead you to a victorious life. And you will start with one thing. You know, whatever is bothering you the most, whatever you feel most hopeless about, start with one thing. And then it will be another thing, another thing, another area, 
more subtle things. You know, as you grow up, different issues will come up. I'm not saying it's like a one-dimensional thing. This is like a multifaceted journey I'm talking about. You know, your integrity, your purity, your like confusion about like success and happiness or your beauty or, you know, your like manhood, womanhood. All these things involves a lot of lies and a lot of cultural influences that you're handling but these things all need to be discipled by the word of god and this will need journey that has multi facets facets and it's going to be really good for you just want to end with um so it's supposed to be a three-point sermon however that was just my first point i'm just not going to go through the second or third but um just gonna like summarize it within like a minute okay Oh, time's ticking. <laughs> I just want to say this, guys. Oh, Salvation is purely God's area. He chose you. He predestines who he chooses. Salvation is, in a sense, automatic. You can't lose it. You cannot say, no, no, thank you. I don't want to be saved. You can't do it. Salvation is purely God's area. Okay? God chooses who he saves. However, intimacy is a choice. Not everyone who has access to God ends up accessing God. They will, yeah, they will go to heaven, yes, because they are saved, they are justified. However, the level of intimacy is your choice. You will not hear this a lot in church, in, in church, church settings maybe, but because it you know, sounds really humanistic or it, it, it depends on you. However, there are Bible verses that if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. I will be found by you. But what's the presupposition? What's the condition? You got to seek him with all of your heart. And who controls your heart? You can't put it all on God, okay? You got to seek him with all of your heart and he will be found by you. So intimacy is a choice. It's just like friendship. If you want to be close to Pauline, you got to meet up with her. You got to buy her food. You got to like, do, yeah, she says yes. Okay, you got to spend time with her. With God, same thing. If you want to be intimate with him, you have to make intentional choices to be close to him. Don't think it's automatic. I'm saved, so I'm intimate with the Lord forever. Heck no. Let me say from my experience, it's not true at all. You got to give him priority. You got to give him time. You got to give him things that you will give to anyone you think is precious to you. Just like that. It's a choice. I really don't believe you can lose your salvation, but you could definitely lose your intimacy with God quickly. And this is also from experience. You can lose it quickly. Um, just want to end with this analogy. You know, I don't know about guys, so but try to try to empathize, all right? Girls, you know, we all, I don't know, this is from like different cultural groups here, but at least for like North Americans, when you get a boyfriend and... When you, like, get engaged, what do you get? You get a ring on your finger, right? And do you just get a ring or a ring with the rock? <laughs> you get a ring with the rock on it, right? So you, typically it's diamond ring, okay? Diamond ring, expensive, okay? And all girls dream about it growing up. Not all girls, but a lot of girls, okay? And then when you get the ring for the first time, mo most of the engagement photos, it's all the same, okay? Guys on, the, on his knee and then girls are all, like, doing this. Okay? 
If you find any picture that where the girl's not doing this, okay, oh, show me, show me. <laughs> Let me prove, okay? <laughs> Every girl is closing their mouth and with their teary eyes, okay? It's like a moment that they've been dreaming of. Oh my gosh, I'm engaged, you know? And then they get a ring on their finger, okay? And diamond is known to sustain its value. It's timeless rock, okay? It's always expensive because it's rare, you know, it's scarcity. So, you know, this diamond, it represents unchanging value, okay? That's why people use it for engagement rings. And you, when you first get it, oh, I know my girlfriends, they will, like, look at it all night. They can't even go to sleep, you know? They just want to look at it forever, you know? Oh, so shiny, I love it. And, you know, it lasts for a little bit. You get married, a year pass. You don't cherish that ring the same way, Okay? Five years later, you want an upgrade, okay? You're probably nagging your husband to give, give me an upgrade ring, you know? That's what a lot of girls do. Anyways, so, like, periodically, like, you up, upgrade it, like, size or whatever. Anyways, so, people do that, okay? So, the wonder and the excitement that you felt about your ring at the beginning, it wears out, okay? But let me tell you this. Is that because the diamond ring has lost its value? No, diamond is the same diamond. This ring is just as beautiful as you first got it. However, it's the sentiment that has changed. It's your feeling about the guy <laughs> or the fantasy about your fiance that kind of like worn out, whatever, you know. It could be different factors, but the ring is the same, but how you feel about the ring changes. Maybe your friend got a bigger ring. Oh, hers is a lot shinier, a lot bigger. You know, or you just want an upgrade, you want a bigger one, you want a different setting, whatever you feel. However, the ring is the same. The value is the same. Oftentimes, this is how we feel about the gospel. When we first got saved, when we first heard about Jesus, the butterflies that you felt in your chest, the warmth that you felt when you woke up, knowing that you are now a daughter, a son of God, that feeling starts to wear out. That's human nature. When I got first saved, guys, I remember waking up the following morning, smiling. I kid you not. It was in a dorm, okay? I, I, I woke up and I noticed that I was smiling. Before I woke up, I was smiling. Have you ever done that? I never, <laughs> I never experienced that before, okay? I used to have chronic nightmares and, you know, whatever. But then, like, that morning, I woke up and I noticed, oh, my gosh, I'm smiling, and I knew the only thing that changed that, that the night, you know, I had accepted Christ. And I prayed with my roommate. She led me to Christ, by the way, in a dorm room at Iwa. And I woke up smiling. Do I wake up smiling these days? I'm so sorry. I don't. <laughs> you know, but do I want to? Yeah, I do. I want that back, man. That love, man, that I had for Christ. You know, when I first did something for Jesus... You know, when I first started getting disciple, when I first tasted how delicious this book was, I couldn't put this thing down. So every verse was so poetic and so beautiful. You know, I would shed tears on this book. Now I fall asleep and drool on this book, guys. <laughs> I want you guys to remember, you got to seek intimacy. It's not automatic. Just like when you get married, you have to cultivate intimacy okay and if you do that oh my ring it the, you're gonna keep the sentiment you know better than other people just like that the value of the gospel is the same 
the value of the gospel, the message of the gospel that got you saved, that spoke to your heart, that brought light into your darkness, it's still there. However, somehow, someway, our hearts have grown cold and our love for the Lord has grown, I don't know, it's just not there anymore. If that's how you feel, my encouragement to you is this. Let's be intentional with the Lord. Seek him with all of your heart. He will be found by you. It's not one way love. He's waiting. Seek me and I can't wait to be found by you. Can't wait to let myself known to you in a deeper way. He's just waiting and yearning to have more of you. So let's be intentional with the Lord and seek intimacy with him. Just going to ask everyone to stand up. Let's pray together to respond to this message.